Wednesday, the 9th of September 2009, and you're listening to Skeptics with a K, the podcast for science, reason, and critical thinking. Skeptics with a K is produced by the Merseyside Skeptic Society, a non-profit organisation dedicated to the promotion of scientific scepticism on Merseyside, around the UK, and internationally. I'm your host, Mike Hall. With me today is Marsh. Hello. And Colin. Hello. How are you doing, guys? All right. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. A bit knackered, but uh, I'll get by. I'm getting over my hangover now. Why, you've been out? Uh, I was out till about half four last night. Obviously, um, last night being Saturday night, because we pre-recorded. <laughs> 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 I've, I've blown apart already the illusion that this is, that this so is going out live. breaking the fourth wall. I'm breaking the fifth wall as well. I'm breaking every wall I can find. I'm smashing those walls to pieces. No, I, I was in New York last week. You were? Uh, just uh, uh, on uh, on holiday. Um, but the amount of woo over there is, is, is utterly crazy. That I walk just walking down the street, I saw an organic dry cleaner. Whatever. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> because like dry cleaning, that's all. That's using chemicals to clean stuff. Yeah, using using organic chemicals. So I suppose anything with carbon. They <laughs> <laughs> maybe just sort of rub you know carrots on it. It's, instead of using a sponge, they use a lettuce. It's it's hard work, but those damn organic dry cleaners work hard. Um, there's psychics on every street corner. I almost went to a psychic. I'd never, I, di- I didn't go to a psychic. Last time I was in New York, I nearly went to a psychic and didn't again. Last time I even got as far as walking up to the door, uh, and there was a little sign saying ring bell for psychic's attention. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if you're that good, you should be opening the door now going, hello, Michael. I've been expecting you. <laughs> but no, we don't get that. No, of course not. Um, uh, you can get, uh, reflexology in JFK Airport. There's there's a, a spa, a so-called spa in JFK Airport, where while you're waiting to board before you go through security, even after, actually there was one after you go through security as well, you can get really? reflexology while you wait. They say, oh, you know, $75 will like rub your feet. But it was insane. I, I, di- I didn't expect that level of, of, of pseudoscience over there. I, I now understand why... Um, our uh, American cousins are, are so upset about the uh, the levels of pseudoscience they have over there because it really is insane. It's it's a real like a losing battle. It's horrible. That that's true. But at the same time, we sell homeopathy in every single pharmacist. I know true, it's uh, bigger home, over here than it homeopathy is, there. is huge over here, isn't it? And psychics are uh, they're not as they're not taken as seriously over here, but they're all, they're very very prevalent. Yes, yeah, they are. Yeah, we'll be coming onto that later. I think. Uh, so we've had some listener feedback, which we, is we amazing. Have, we have listeners, actual, actual listeners with ears and hearing and, yeah. and all of it, <laughs> and the ability to type, as evidenced by the emails we've received. Well, they could have dictated it, I suppose, to, that is to true. their mate. That is true. But, so you're saying that our listeners can't type? No, <laughs> but at least they can hear. We, yeah, I mean, we've we've you'd just think... got listeners, and already we're slagging. We've slammed that. <laughs> you'd think it, it just halved now in that second. <laughs> we had listeners. If our listeners were capable of using a computer, they'd be turning off this shite. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we have had communications from our listeners. And joking aside, we do love the fact that people are listening and we love to hear from you. We do. And you can get in contact with us, apparently. Oh, yeah, po- uh, podcast at merseysideskeptics.org.uk. And is that the email address? Or it is. Uh, and we... don't forget that <coughs> skeptics is spelled with a K. Skeptics is spelled <laughs> with a K. Way! Get the name of the show in. Perfect. Just in case the people who are listening don't know what show this is. No. <laughs> which is, which well, is if they did, they'd be turning off this shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so first of all, I mean, I'd like to say that uh, we, we've had some uh, some positive stuff from uh, Phenim, so I thought I'd give a few shout-outs to people who uh, who are giving us a bit of praise. So um, thanks very much, guys, uh, listening. Mark Hallinan, Adam Clark, Jonathan Leach, uh, they all said they're really enjoying it, which is really, really cool. We're glad that... Uh, that's all of are. our listeners, isn't that's, it? That's the three listeners. So we have had a fourth listener, and uh, we have to uh, apologise, in fact... Um, to uh, Patrick Degania of Montreal. Oh, a Montreal listener. Yeah. yeah apparently, we're dangerous to Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> we should have that as a as a stamp on our on our website because he's he sent us a, a lovely uh, a lovely um, a lovely bit of feedback on our, our Facebook group. On Facebook, yeah. Saying that from the the last show when we were speaking about a, a homeopathic firebomb, which of course <laughs> I'll point out is a little bit of fire and a lot of water. Yeah. Uh, he said, homeopathic firebomb, damn you. I almost drove off the road when I heard that one. <laughs> I guess it'll teach me to listen to your podcast while driving in my car. The, the thing I loved about the homeopathic firebombs is you, you'd forgotten you said it till you heard the show back. I did. <laughs> so it was as much a surprise to you as anybody else. It was. I, think I almost <laughs> drove off the road when I heard it. <laughs> So yeah, thanks everyone for listening, uh, anyone who's listening and uh, anyone who wants to get in contact uh, and tell us uh, what you think or just generally have a Yes, uh, podcast at merseysideskeptics.org.uk um, or you can uh, leave a message on our website at www.merseysideskeptics.org.uk or uh, find us on on uh, Facebook where you can get Skeptics with a K, you can be a fan of Skeptics with a K on Facebook um, and the Merseyside Skeptic Society, you can come and say hello to us on, on, on Facebook there as well. Yeah, and you can leave the review on iTunes, I believe, because someone has. Uh, yeah, we've had some, some, some good reviews on iTunes. We've got four and a half stars out of five on iTunes, which isn't bad. We're, we're appearing in the new and notable section, which okay. I assume is because we are new and notable, not yes. because we're new. Oh, it's, no, it's no. not just, it's not a new or notable. I hope it's new and notable. <laughs> yeah, only people who are both new and notable. The, yeah. the Venn diagram has to cross in the middle and we're in that little Absolutely, sort of that, that yeah. intersection. We, you get us and, and Brian Dunning's new podcast is up in there as well. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's a nice company to keep. That's com- com- I like keeping that company. You're that listening bad? to In Fact. No, you watch In <laughs> You're Fact. Watching don't in you? fact yeah. You're watching In Fact. Um, and Twitter as well. You can get us on Twitter. We're Mersey Skeptics on Twitter. Yes, we are. Um, so if you want to like follow us on Twitter, we we uh, put out uh, just stuff that we think is funny or mad uh, on uh, on our Twitter feed. So you know, follow us for that. And you're not going to get some inane nonsense like Marsh is buttering his toast. It's, no, <laughs> it, it's all relevant stuff, isn't it? No, I mean I yeah. blog that stuff. So there's nothing. <laughs> Research published recently in the New Scientist magazine suggests that women are genetically predisposed to a fear of dangerous animals, uh, specifically spiders. Dangerous animals, specifically spiders. Specifically spiders, yeah. Is, was this research carried out in Australia or some of the places where spiders are dangerous animals? Uh, I don't know. We don't get dangerous spiders I in the UK, do we? don't think so. I mean, the only danger is that, like, my girlfriend saw a spider the other day and almost broke her laptop by sort of squealing and throwing the laptop <laughs> as, a, as a sort of reaction. So that's that's a danger. It was almost quite costly. Yeah, that, that, I don't think they mean dangerous in that quite that sense. No, not in a monetary sense, a financially breakaging well, sense. Well, this research came from a, um, a David Rackison, um, a psychologist at Carnegie Mellon University in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, I'll go to lengths to say that uh, Rackerson is a psychologist, not a geneticist. So how he can speak on authority about what's a genetic predisposition, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, maybe, maybe he can speak about the psychology of geneticists. <laughs> what, what's going on in their head? Well, as far as I can see, there was no genetic research of any sort involved in this study, which makes me suspect any claims for a genetic predisposition. What was involved in the study was uh, Rackerson trained 20 babies. He trained um, 20 trained babies. Trained 20 babies. By showing them a photograph of a spider 
next to a photograph of someone looking scared. <laughs> <laughs> then after training the babies, uh, he showed them a photograph of a spider again and someone looking happy. Okay. Um, at the same time, he showed them a photograph of a flower and someone looking scared. Yeah, I don't know what, at what age um, recognition of two-dimensional objects comes into place. I, I have no idea. I don't know enough about baby psychology. I think the, the guy who's doing the study doesn't know an awful lot about baby psychology, <laughs> but I can probably, probably safely assume. His results were that girls looked at the happy face for significantly longer, whatever the fuck that means, uh, than the scared face, uh, whereas the boys looked at both faces for an equal amount of time. And did it say what time that was? The, the, the period of at which the deemed significant not in new scientist it didn't i mean mm. the the it was also published in a peer-reviewed journal yeah, but yeah. it's one of those ones you have to pay and log in to go oh, piss off um <laughs> but he he interpreted this as meaning that the girls expected the spiders to be linked with fear and so they were looking at the happy face because they were confused as to why the person was happy when they were next to a spider see <laughs> this doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if a baby is looking at a picture of a smiley face for longer than a different baby, why does that mean that it's because they're confused about the face smiling because it's near fear? Or surely it could just mean that the baby's like the look of a smiley face. As, especially yeah. with only 20 babies involved yeah, I mean, in the study. Yeah, it's such a small number. It's, it's a tiny, tiny yeah. number. Um, he, did, he took another group of babies, skipped the training phase, and just showed them the happy face and the spider and the flower and the scary face. Uh, and in this test, babies looked at both faces equally, irrespective of their gender. Hmm. Uh, he took this as meaning that the girls are not born with a fear of spiders, uh, but they have a genetic predisposition towards learning to be afraid of spiders. <laughs> and how does he know it's anything to do with the spider itself? It could be. Has he tried it with any other pictures? Yeah, well, he said he tried it with with other phobias, um, and di and didn't get the same yeah. results. Uh, he, he got right. these take a picture which... from up high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> picture off the top of the Empire State Building. What are the phobias are there? I suppose clowns? Do you have a little picture of a clown, maybe? Homophobia. <laughs> a picture of Liberace. <laughs> I love that he's your go-to gear. Well, yeah. How many other homosexuals can you just name and everyone knows? I can't say they're going... Freddie Mercury. Stephen Fry. Elton John. There's three instantly. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's me shot out of the water then. Thanks for that. Um, and he's, he's attributed this to our hunter-gatherer ancestors, uh, suggesting that uh, an aversion to spiders meant that the, the women folk avoided them, but the men folk evolved to take risks because that would make them more successful hunters. Bit of a jump. Did, but did he see the babies hunting and gathering as well? <laughs> <laughs> as best I can tell, this, this hunter-gatherer bollocks is literally just pulled straight out of his ass. Uh, I mean, maybe it does make evolutionary sense for for women to avoid risks and for men to take risks, mm. but he's got no proof of that. No. All no. he's done is show some babies some photographs. <laughs> so he didn't even show some babies a spider and see whether they were scared. Shouldn't that be the easiest test? Is take a spider, take a baby, put the baby near the spider and see if it's scared. Why take photos <laughs> of stuff? You might have just eaten it or anything. That's true. You've got a control for that. <laughs> a spider on a leash. <laughs> a baby in a muzzle. So that would have been a much ethically safer, sounder yeah. study to do. Have a spider on a leash and a baby in a muzzle. Yeah. They might just be scared of pictures with spiders as well. Or scared it, of pictures? Yeah. <laughs> women are genetically predisposed to be scared of pictures. Which is why when you take a photo of a woman, they always have to have a look to make sure it's right. You know, yeah. you, you take a photo of a guy, he goes, oh yeah, I look like a tit, carry on. Why they're terrible drivers? Because they can't read road signs. <laughs> Any My other, God. Do you want to throw some casual seconds at <laughs> <while> I take <laughs> 
but there's, you know, there, there's, there's no blinding in this study. You know, where, where's... Blinding babies? Where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> but surely, you know, he should be showing them a photograph and not knowing what it is. It, it, there's going to be a lot of his bias in this. If he's expecting to see... Uh, a reaction. He's going to be be very readily falling for confirmation bias in this, mm. isn't it? E- experimenters bias. There's no blinding. There's no uh, paleoanthropologist involved to sort of suggest yes, this is what ancient cultures did. There was a risk taking men and women who stayed at home and looked after the baby. I presume. I'm not sure what mm. that. Well, women I think the women risks. stayed at home and and gave the baby pictures of spiders. I think is is what happened. <laughs> And as we said, like only 20 babies involved. I mean, presumably there was another 20 for the second phase without the training period. So like 40 babies. That's still a tiny, tiny amount to go drawing huge conclusions about (laughs) a genetic predisposition to, to a fear of animals. Yeah, yeah. You can't go making claims about genetic predispositions based on showing a baby girl a spider and guessing how she feels about it. (laughs) It's, that's not science. You can't call that science. That's crazy. Um, now, I'm sure dodgy studies like this go on all the time. Um, but what's more worrying for me, really, is that this was in New Scientist. Yeah. You know, yeah. you expect this sort of dodgy bollocks in the Daily Mail or the Telegraph. Well, in the Daily Mail, I think it would have been a foreign spider that they were scared yeah. of. Immigrant yeah, immigrant spiders. <laughs> yes, and they'll probably give you cancer as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, but New Scientist is supposed to be a respectable trade magazine. And I, I, I fail to see how we can very casually spot the flawed reasoning in this uh, in this study but the editor of new scientist missed it yeah um that I, I don't understand what's going on there well i guess the only the only positive thing is that i've seen an awful lot of people pulling this study apart um almost everyone who's who i've, I've seen on you know, on twitter and on various blogs have looked at it and gone this is clearly nonsense so at least with the now exists with the with the internet and with this kind of level of technology and and uh, amateur science yeah, bloggers and yeah. amateur science journalists. There's a, another sort of stopgap. There's another safety net for stuff that gets through the respected publications. It then gets picked apart by a whole army of, it is, of yeah. interested readers. And it's something that um, uh, uh, Steve Novella from the Skeptics Guide talks about a lot. Is mm. that so journalism is evolving? It's becoming a dialogue now. It's sort of like you know the the, the journalists and the and, and the trade magazines will print an article or print it on the website. Mm. They print it on on, on paper. Um, but then the blogosphere comes around and fact checks everything they've done and says, yeah. no, 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 this is where you're, you're, you're talking crap. And then commenters come in and fact check the bloggers, mm. which it, it just makes the whole system so much more reliable and dynamic. Is, who's checking the commenters? Hey, oh, that's where the system falls out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need some sub commenters. We, <laughs> we need to go meta on their ass. <laughs> Speaking of psychology, um, Bruce Hood, professor of development. Developmental psychology at Bristol University has been studying the way children's brains develop. I don't know whether he's been training them or blinding them. <laughs> <laughs> or making them hunt and gather and see photos. Yeah. Um, he's, been, he's also been studying how the brain works on religious experiences and he's suggesting, it's, oh, it's not a new suggestion, but he's suggesting that during evolution, groups of humans with religious tendencies began to benefit from the beliefs, hmm. possibly because they tended to work together better and sort of greater chance for survival. And his reasoning for this is that he says children have a natural intuitive way of reasoning that leads them to all kinds of supernatural beliefs about how the world works. As you grow up, these beliefs come overlaid with more rational approaches, but the tendency to illogical supernatural beliefs remains as religion. And this was in the Times um, this week, and they're, they're trying to suggest that this is a challenge to the Dawkins' belief that religion is the po- result of poor education and child indoctrination. Well, my, my understanding was that Dawkins' point of view was it was was sort of the other way around. That religion is a misfiring of yeah. our, our tendency to be gullible as children mm. because 
that has an evolutionary advantage in that your parents say don't put your hand in the fire and you accept that uncritically that's a good thing when you're a kid um <clears throat> but then if your parent says there's a there's a magic man who lives in the sky and cares about whether you masturbate you also accept <laughs> that uncritically i think the talking views are a lot more complicated than they give it credit for i think they're just throwing his name in really Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, these days you can't get away with uh, saying anything in the newspaper about religion without mentioning Richard Dawkins. Pretty much, yeah. when it comes to studies of religion, you're going to throw, you're going to yeah. name check him just to try and. Uh, it's good he's there with a gun as well in the room. <laughs> <laughs> he's very insistent that he uh, he's involved. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, he's got his new book coming out soon, which I'm really looking forward to. Which he has. He, um, it's, it's, it's right by my foot, actually. What the book or the, the book? Not Richard Dawkins. <laughs> he's behind. He's on the other side. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to his new book coming out. I think I'm, I'm quite excited about that. What's the name of it again? Uh, it's called the, the Greatest Show on Earth. Ah, I think, cool. and it's uh, it, it's a, a, a book about evolution. Mm. Um, the, he's published the first couple of chapters up on his website already, um, so you can like have a look through and see. But he's he, he, yeah. his opening gambit is sort of like imagine you were a, um, a Latin teacher. But first, you had to convince your class that the Romans existed. <laughs> that this is kind of what biologists face, evolutionary biologists face, mm. when you know they're trying to teach about evolution, but they have to like convince the class that it happened first because they've got a class full of creationists going, "No, yeah. it was God." Yeah, uh, but I'm I, I'm looking forward to. It. I love how Richard writes. It's he's very very easy to read. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yep, yeah. yeah, and this follows on from um, previous experiments that uh, Professor Hood has done recently, which it's. In the papers quite a lot, which you might remember, I think, talking about how people um, would not want an organ transplant from a murderer. Yes, or yeah. Or even wearing a jumper. Yeah, so, a jumper from uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and I know uh, Bruce Hood, he wrote the book um, Super Sense. Yes. Yeah, no, he's very, he's, he's very cool. I know he, um, he was actually on the, he was the interview on the episode of uh, Skeptic's Guide that we first got mentioned on. Oh, right. I remember that. I've got that still uh, in, in my, uh, in my IQ <laughs> as a little testament the, to my own eagle. Your, your media brain awakened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the jumper thing with the, the Yorkshire Ripper was really interesting. Cause I know, uh, wasn't it along the lines of he, uh, he held up a cardigan or a jumper and, and asked the class, would you wear this? And a few people put their hands up and he said, what about if I told you it belonged to the Yorkshire Ripper? Yeah. And some people put their hands down. And I went, love that. Why'd you put your hands down? What, what, yeah. why is that important that of who it belonged yeah. to? What, what, what makes you? And it's, it's instinctual. It's not that they thought, oh, I'm not going to wear that because a murderer wore it. You just instantly put your hands yeah. down just out of the instinct that you I think they did have Hit Hitler's moustache comb as well. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd love Hitler's moustache comb. Yeah, if I could grow a moustache, I would have that in an instant. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I can't. <laughs> well, I, I can, but it's a bit shitty. It is a little bit shitty. I've got a little bit shitty, a, a, a little, a little shitty moustache. It's mainly shitty because it's the only hair on your entire head. On my entire head, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I, I was when I was in New York. I was mistaken for a waxwork. <laughs> really? I was in Madame Tussauds. <laughs> a waxwork of what? I, I don't know who she thought I was. Did, I, I was sitting in Madame Tussauds. My girlfriend was at the uh, um, at the cash register, um, nice, paying nice. paying for some sherbet. And, <laughs> and I was just sitting down waiting for her. And this this girl comes up and lines herself up and start ready to have a photograph with me. And I I had noticed, so I just thought I I'd sighed or blinked or something like that. And she went, "Oh my God, you're a real person." <laughs> I said, "Yeah." Well, I was about to have my photo. Oh, I'm sorry. And she wandered off really embarrassed. Well, it says a lot about Madame Tussauds. I mean, I don't get, I don't get Madame Tussauds at all, really. I mean, uh, they are, the opportunity to have, have my picture taken with Robbie Williams himself doesn't interest me. <laughs> so his whack work, I, his wax work, I couldn't be less interested. But 
I'd prefer uh, his whack work. I don't his know what whack that was. Work. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, if we've gone all gangster in the street? Yeah, it was one of his <laughs> early albums. It was, it, was it failed. It was, it was fully whack. Yeah, 100% <laughs> whack. Uh, no, it just, it sort of sums up the, the sort of, uh, the people who go to Madame Dussault's, I guess, that she was willing to have you, her picture taken with you without even any. Without even knowing who I was. <laughs> no, did not, you have your Hitler moustache at the time? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. I remember as we were coming through the door, um, the, the woman at the counter where we bought the ticket, she said, would you like a guidebook? And I said, to be honest, love, if I can't tell who it is by looking at it, it's not worth looking at. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Hood, anyway. Yes, we digressed. Um, yes. Isn't, it, isn't he on the Skeptics in the Pub circuit? Doesn't he do talks? I, yeah, I, I believe, believe he does. I believe he does, yeah. We'll have to get him up, won't we? Yeah, he's, we'll he sounds that. like a really, really great, really interesting talker. That'd sure be a cracker, be a, I think. Riot, yeah. yeah. I found it interesting that you remarked it's an instinctive response. Like the moment you said it was um, belonged to a serial killer, the jumper, everyone put their hands down. Mm. And I think it's Probably a very good instinct to have evolved, I think. Because I think in the heads, they're linking um, negative emotional traits to almost like a, it's a physical thing. Mm. But it's a good reaction to have, you know, it's, whether it's tainted water, you keep away from it. If something smells bad, you run away, and it links to that sense of disgust. Yeah, if you see a picture of a spider, you get unhappy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And those babies have to be trained as well. It is. I mean, <laughs> these, these people weren't trained. I hope he trained them the way a lion tamer trains lions, you know, with like a chair and a whip. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really new research. Every now and then, um, different scientists will pop up and reveal um, their various findings. And we've got the, someone from the University of Pennsylvania, again, um, doesn't involve babies. It's Andrew Newberg, professor of radiology. He used brain imaging techniques to show that um, religious feelings and experiences are evoked by activity in what he calls belief networks operating mm. across the brain. And this is very similar to um, what used to get called the God Spot, yeah, which was yeah. due to experiments by, um, I think it was Dr. Ramachandran, I think he's the University of California. Mm. And um, he had um, a patient who had been injured in a car accident, I think it was. And um, basically, from that point on, he basically just had religious experience all the time. He'd just break down in tears. Really? Yeah, and um, so he, he did experiments with uh, another patient um, where he would use electrodes to simulate so that those particular regions of the brain that would create those responses. Mm. And um, it caused a bit of a fuss for a while because he coined the term the God Spot and mm. everyone kept bringing that up. Is the God Spot the he... same as the G Spot? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the G stands for? There's I've a always joke wondered. in there, I'm sure. <laughs> there are jokes in there somewhere, yeah. <laughs> We're now simultaneously, all three of us are thinking of the jokes and also censoring ourselves at the same time. <laughs> yes. this is a, a great oh, no, we can't continue. say that. But, uh, no, we couldn't say that one either. <laughs> this new research, basically, it follows on from that, but mm. they're saying that it's um, particular networks across from the temporal lobe to the frontal lobe. And the temporal lobe is supposed to interact with many other parts of the brain to provide the full range of religious and spiritual experiences. And if you're a Shaolin monk or a Zen Buddhist, Which I am, you're very both. good. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm multi multidisciplinary. I like to multitask my religions. Do you regularly touch the god spot? <laughs> <laughs> as Sorry. often as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've got, uh, this week, I've got a, a bit of an update on a, a development uh, of something I spoke about in episode two, you might remember, um, and our listeners might remember. Uh, we report on the Australian skeptics and their battle against the Australian vaccination network. Oh, yeah, the, the AVN, yeah. The AVN, yeah, which isn't to be confused with um, the porn thing, which I googled huh? AVN to try and find the uh, the Australian vaccination networks, and I got something to do with the adult videos. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyone who is looking to contact or to check out the Australian Vaccination Network, um, go to the porn site. It's way more informative than the answer. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. least you won't end up killing children. I did something quite similar recently. Someone sent me a, a funny photograph of uh, that someone had taken in an, an, an Apple store. <clears throat> and in the Apple store, they have like Macs set up for you to go up and help yourself to an internet connection. Yeah. Uh, and in this photograph, you could quite clearly see this, this old bloke hunched over a Mac with a load of pornography up on the screen <laughs> quite blatantly. And I thought, I thought this was quite funny. And I was at the pub with Colin and I said, I've got to show you this photograph with a scream. And I went on to Google and, and Googled old man porn and thought, Oh, no, I regret that. No, 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 I shouldn't have done that at all. <laughs> Yeah. That was a mistake. You should have seen that coming. And you <laughs> shouldn't have seen him coming. Um, <laughs> um, the AVN, if you don't remember, they claim to be pro-choice uh, and they claim to promote the spread of information and debate on vaccines. Mm. When, in actuality, they're just a deceitful, weasley organisation that spreads misinformation and rumour and lies. And they set out to try and prevent children being vaccinated. That's Their, their main goal is to try and prevent all vaccination of children. Mm. Under the auspices of, oh, we're just asking questions. We're just... You know, bringing to the attention these certain facts we found, which I bet they claim to be skeptics as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, they use whatever tools they can, and their president, uh, Meryl Dory, has gone so far as to claim that no one dies of whooping cough, which because they're vaccinated. Yeah, (laughs) and when they're not vaccinated, they do die of whooping cough. And you know, we've seen that with uh, with the uh, four week old uh, Dana McCaffrey, yeah, um, which is a a really really tragic story that she died of whooping cough because she was too young to be vaccinated, and. Meryl Dory went on TV at the same time as Dana McCaffrey's parents and said no one dies of whooping cough. Mm. Feet, feet from grieving parents. It's disgusting stuff. Um, but Meryl Dory doesn't just restrict it to pertussis, to whooping cough. Uh, she also goes as far as to say that um, the swine flu pandemic was pre-planned and deliberate and that the MMR vaccine causes autism. You know, that old chestnut we, we, which we can never get away from. Well, so we're into David Icke and yeah. Jenny McCarthy now. Well, that's this the thing. Is... I mean, they even say some really shocking conspiracy theory suggesting that HIV uh, infection is deliberate attempt to bring down uh, populations and that HIV medicine causes HIV. And it's just HIV denialism. It's every form of dangerous medical I mean, that, that nonsense you can the get. HIV claim might even make sense, except for the fact that HIV, you can live more or less a full life now due yeah. to HIV medication. Exactly. You, you, you don't see HIV like 15 years ago was a death sentence. You've yeah. got HIV, you know, here's five, 10 years. Here's five, 10 years. You yeah. know, you're going to develop AIDS. Years, you're yeah. going to die. Sorry. You know, now you can live more or less a full life because mm. of advances in, 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 in HIV medication. That's crazy. Crazy Absolutely. talk. I mean, yeah, they really are a shocking lot. And, and Meryl Dory appears to be competing with Jenny McCarthy for the title of Queen of the Child Killers. I mean, I'm just speculating, but I can't see any other reason for why she'd be going quite as crazy as she does. Um, and uh, as I do, I was digging around their website this week. Mm. Um, you know me, I love to find things that really <laughs> wind me up. It's, it's a burden and a gift. Which why we read the Daily Nazi. <laughs> it is. <what> we, exactly. <laughs> the Daily Mail for our American listeners. Um, check it out. It is the source of almost every one of our stories. Or the Daily Fail. That's a a clashing of clash of memes there, isn't it? The daily fail. That, that is beautiful. Yeah. So I was on the, uh, the AVN website and I found the most amazing piece of hateful anti-vax propaganda you'll ever see. It's a 46 page PDF presentation on the supposed evils of compulsory vaccination, um, which is a program brought in in Australian hospitals and, uh, to, uh, compulsorily, um, vaccinate healthcare workers. So they All don't right, then for go... healthcare professionals. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So yeah. you don't, don't then go infecting people who are at risk. You know, mm. you might be able to survive the influenza um, yeah. virus. Yeah. 
if you're working at the intensive care unit, that you know it, that that makes sense. You don't want to be carrying, uh, you know, a communicable disease uh, to a baby in an incubator. Exactly, and that's a that's a reasonable, you know, a reasonable yeah. thing. But uh, it's not reasonable if you uh, believe what the EVN tell you. Um, readers of our blog will already see that I've taken it apart really, really fully there. Um, and I won't go into those lengths in this podcast because I could talk for the next three days straight mm. about this presentation about the AVN. It is really so horrific. But I thought I'd just share some of the, the highlights, as it were, to our listeners in case you haven't had a chance to see it so you can get a feel for what it's about. Um, one, of, one of the pages of this, uh, this presentation tells us that five out of the ten required vaccines contain live viruses which put vulnerable hospital patients at risk. And we, it also tells us that staff and students who can think for themselves and who question authority will no longer be in the health system. It also says the list of required vaccines is sure to increase just as the childhood vaccination schedule is increasing. How many vaccines will be enough? That's how it asks. First of all, live viruses. Where live viruses are used, they're only given in very, very small degrees to well, healthy subjects. They'll be attenuated, won't they? Yeah. So they don't just put in a, a full-on live virus. They'll they'll cripple the thing first. Well, exactly, yeah. Just to just to give your body or immune system a chance to see what the virus is mm. and, and learn it's, how to fight it. It's the equivalent of showing your body a photo of a spider and a scary <laughs> face. Yeah. Well, this is it. And the thing is, no patients who are at risk are given the vaccine which is the whole point of herd immunity. Mm. If you can't mm. vaccinate someone who's at risk, you vaccinate everyone else around them, and that person who's at risk doesn't then Absolutely, get yeah. the they, They've just got it backwards. Yeah, well, they, they, it's not an accident mm. either. They've gone out of their way to manipulate yeah. the, the, the message on this just to really sort of yeah. sell lies to people, really. And interestingly, they're not called the Australian Anti-Vaccination Network. They're called the Australian Vaccination Network. Oh, yeah, they, well, they claim to, to lend, information, yeah. Yeah. lend an air of credibility to it. Yeah. Well, it's the whole pro-choice, pro-life thing. You know, you, you give it a positive-sounding name and don't actually say what your real agenda yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. You're just asking questions. I mean, as for the claim that uh, those who think for themselves and question authority will be kicked out of the health system, that's completely crap, too. I mean, the only people who will be kept out of the health system are those who don't believe in the efficacy of vaccinations, and they don't deserve to be in the health system. No, yeah. you shouldn't be working in the health system yeah. if you don't think medicine works. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's the same way as anyone who thinks for themselves uh, about washing their hands and who dis- who decides to question the authority of CPR techniques yeah. and just do whatever the hell they like. They'll be bounced out of the hospital as well, and rightly so. It's not a question of authority. It's a question of what we can prove works, mm. and vaccination is proven to work. You know, and as for the, the, the point, and this really got me, is to the... Um, they were saying that uh, you know the number of vaccines will increase, and you know how many will be enough. Well, of course, the list of vaccines will increase, but that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask me, I want, if in an ideal world, to be able to give a vaccine for everything, absolutely everything you can. You know, AIDS, cancer, heart disease, MS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, anything we could vaccinate for. If we can yeah. vaccinate for it, we if get we to that de- point. If we can Fear develop spiders. one, yeah. Fear of spiders. If you can vaccinate against the fear of spiders, that'd be, that'd be great. You know, it's proven and it's real and it's, it's no amount of hand waving and weasel wording will change the fact yeah. that vaccines work. What are they even trying to achieve with that? It's, it beggars belief. And you, the only way you would actually write the article is if you genuinely believed it on some level. Right? Well, I, I think, I think they genuinely believe their message, which is that vaccines are dangerous. And then they're finding ways to try and yeah. tell that message. Yeah, I'm sure. They and do. I, I yeah. don't think they believe everything in this presentation. I mean, yeah. there are some just outright lies yeah. in this presentation. And yeah, no, it is. It's it's deceit and it's it's misdirection as well. You know, the yeah. the tell stories that the tell anecdotes that are just so so um so nonsense. I mean, for example, uh, there's there's one page uh, on page eight. It tells about um one of the cases that supposedly prove that vaccines cause harm. And I'll just give you the case and uh, let you guys you know make what you want of it. 
It says here, death from compulsory vaccination. A nursing sister from northern New South Wales contacted us after being forced to receive the MMR vaccine under threat of losing her job. She had been injured by a previous dose of Hep B. She was suffering from chronic fatigue and was not recovered. Immediately, she suffered a relapse and spent weeks off work. Within three months, she was diagnosed with cancer and had her lymph nodes removed. Biopsy showed measles in the tissue. Several weeks later, she passed away. She was just 25. Oh, uh, uh, measles causes cancer now? Apparently so. What? Uh, I, and I don't even think it's a live measles virus that's in the, the MMR vaccine. So a dead measles virus can cause cancer? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, it's an unnamed nurse. We haven't been told who it was. So we've got this nurse who is unnamed and can't be tracked down the case. I mean, I'm not saying the case doesn't exist. I'm saying there's a possibility the case doesn't exist because I don't trust anything Meryl Dory tells us. But even if we take on note for the, for the intellectual exercise that this case exists, um, she got, she died after being injected with a vaccine. After. Mm. Not because of. Yeah. Mm. So it's a, a post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy. Exactly. She yeah. was ill. She had a vaccine. She immediately pre- relapsed with a pre-existing condition. And then three months later developed cancer. The measles vaccine doesn't cause cancer, as you say. It's just correlation causation. Yeah. And it's hand-waving and weasel wording and just, yeah. you know, creating a controversy where there it's, isn't it's one. It's yeah. not often that I see you struggling for words. It's obvious that this has really pissed you off. It, it does. It, I mean, it's, it's amazing that this can even exist, that people like Meryl Dory can exist, and they're out there. They can only know that they're killing children. Yeah. And we see that. We see cases of measles rising. I mean, it's not just in Australia, you know, in England, you know, we've got cases of measles outbreaks in Wales and Hartlepool as well. Has yeah. A really big... yeah. And it's just because of this kind of level of propaganda. I mean, they've got on page 11, they, they, they released this leaflet, which is uh, a photo of a troubled looking woman. And she's got a target drawn on her back and mm. there's a hand near her about to give her an injection. And the text on it reads, 10 injections or lose your job. Call that a choice. Compulsory vaccination, stabbing our healthcare workers in the back. And it's such a level of hateful propaganda. I mean, it's charming. And it doesn't take, take into account that um, to not vaccinate and to allow staff to infect the sick with deadly viruses is stabbing patients in the back. Absolutely, yeah. This is, this is the, the pièce de résistance of the, the, the whole presentation. And I'm going to quote this out because this has to be read to be believed. It says, Some childhood illnesses have beneficial aspects and therefore prevention may not necessarily be in the best interest of the child. Measles... It says, called gift from a goddess in Sanskrit, what? measles can help to mature the immune system, may help prevent autoimmune illnesses such as cancer, asthma, and allergies later Whoa. in life. Mature the immune system? Mm-hmm. Is this in much the same way that a vaccination would? Yeah. <laughs> measles, apparently, is a gift from a goddess. Not, not something that, yeah, causes brain da- damage, causes death, causes, you know, the outbreaks we're seeing in Australia, in America, in Hartlepool and Wales and England, and there's other places. But the fact that the, the, the fact is the death rate from the measles vaccine, if there is one, is substantially lower than the death rate from measles. Even if they can get away with saying measles matures the immune system or whatever, maybe that's true. But it does so at the cost of a, a, a certain number of deaths. We can mm. do the same job mm. with a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, for like an insanely small, for an infinitesimal number of deaths by comparison. <laughs> 
Well, I look forward to seeing what the uh, what the Australian skeptics uh, do with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're going to take it on. I know I've had feedback from uh, a couple of the guys there. We had uh, feedback from uh, Iran Segev, the president of the yeah. uh, Australian skeptics. He's been in touch to uh, sort of thanks for for bringing this to his attention, and also uh, Danielle Raphael, uh, who's um, who runs the Stop the Anti Vaccination Network. Yeah, uh, and he's got a Facebook uh, group. So um, I urge our listeners, please, kind of go along. Absolutely, and, yeah. Um, it's important that we support these people because the Australian vaccination people are killing people. Mm. It's as simple as that. The Texas State Board of Education have been doing their best to make Texas uh, a laughing stock once again. Um, just to recap this story briefly for our, our, our listeners, the Texas State Board of Education are charged with defining the education standards in Texas. Um, in, in practice, their powers have a wider reach than that because Texas is what's known as an, an adoption state. Mm. Um, I'm a little flaky on the details, but my, my understanding is it, it's, a, it's a case of simple economics. Uh, it's not cost effective to print one textbook for California and another one for New York and another one for Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what the textbook manufacturers do is uh, they look at a handful of states with large populations, such as Texas, uh, and write textbooks which conform to their standards and then sell those textbooks to all the other states as well. Yeah. Um, so when the Texas State Board of Education, for example, appoint a creationist as chairman uh, who inserts language into the science standards requiring teachers to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of evolution, that's then carried across the rest of the United States. And all the children taking science class in uh, in America for that year have this uh, this strengths and weaknesses language in there, which when they say weaknesses, what they mean is creationist propaganda yes, oh yeah, well yeah. you know yeah. the the transitional fossils and there's gaps and god oh yeah that, that, kind that of old thing. god fella yeah he's coming back into it doesn't he uh and this is in fact what happened um uh, we blogged about this um a few months ago um when the the chairman of the state board of education don mcelroy was uh, quoted as saying i disagree with these experts Somebody's got to stand up to experts. I don't know why they're doing it. <laughs> I love the idea of standing up to an expert. Yeah, exactly. Um, From a position of non-expertise, of course. Well, they know he, he's a dentist. Oh, I see. So he does. <laughs> I wonder if anyone has ever stood up to his expertise. If he goes, oh, you know, you've got your third molar needs to be removed. This one's gone, I'm standing up to you. I'm standing you're up to you. expert. <laughs> Well, it's like, difficult to stand up when you're in a dentist. I'm too. off to my homeopathic dentist. Yes. <laughs> I'm off to see Dr. John Roberts. Dr. John Roberts, the holistic dentist. <laughs> the yeah. holistic dentist who will uh, write me a big invoice while he drills my teeth. Yeah. Um, under McElroy, the, uh, the, the Texas board re- voted to remove language referring to an expanding universe in science textbooks uh, and also language referring to the age of the universe as 12 to 14 billion years old. Uh, instead, he replaced it with the, the more scripture-friendly Estimates vary as to the age of the universe. Vary from 6,000 <laughs> yeah. to 14 billion. Yeah. The thing is, are we at a point now where estimates don't really vary that much? I think we're at 13.8 and yeah, it's, estimates that, might vary as to sort of like region, the odd yeah. meter. <laughs> I mean, 12 to 14 billion, I think, is a reasonable yeah. window. It's not going to be outside that. Not very, I mean, if you take into account the error bars and all that kind of thing. It's probably around 13 and a half, but you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I had a, a really interesting, uh, fascinating discussion with a creationist on the streets of Liverpool once who said, oh, you know, people believe it's uh, 12 to 14 that's two whole billion uh in, in a gap that's a two billion gap whereas scripture said it's six thousand, and we haven't changed scientists can't even get to within two billion can't get any closer than two billion wasn't this guy 
guy was a scientist, though, wasn't he? He was a scientist. He was an electrical engineer. So he knows... But a professor of electroengineering, or a doctor of it, yeah. He knows error bars. He knows yeah. science changes its mind to fit your observations, but somehow still touts that as a weakness. Which yeah, yeah. Is, is, saying, is oh, it's, we crazy. can only say it's somewhere in this two billion area that's way too imprecise when the scripture said it's six thousand i had to point out and he said something like you know we used to believe it was eight and then we went up to 20 and then we've come back down and we're never the same and i had to point out that even eight and 20 is different from six thousand yeah. eight billion 20 billion that's not so big a difference when you compare it to six thousand yeah it's not the fact he's bothered about it, it's just certainty so yeah. well, are they better because they're certain yeah exactly yeah <laughs> uh so Fortunately, McElroy was voted off the State Board of Education uh, uh, by the Texas Senate last May. Thank God. Um, at the time, <laughs> <laughs> at the time, the president of the Texas Freedom Network was uh, quoted as saying, um, "Watching the State Board over the last two years has been like watching one train wreck after another." <laughs> The governor should know that parents will be watching closely to see whether he chooses a new chairman who puts the education of their children ahead of personal and political agendas. Mm. Unfortunately, this isn't the case. Uh, Unfortunately, this is Texas. <laughs> see, I, I, I thought this was going to be a happy end to this story. I thought you said they've actually appointed a working physicist or a working biologist. Yeah. He's now in charge. A proper of all. scientist in there choosing the science standards. Yeah. What a shocking idea that would be. <laughs> you want a dentist in there? No, this time what they've appointed um, what, a mime. Uh, I'm trying to think of the worst possible person to be in charge of science. I thought of mime because you know they've got that invisible box, which um, is kind of where they put all their <laughs> their crazy ideas. A mime's a good one. Just go the full hog and have the Pope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get the yeah, well the board has continued its misguided campaign to devastate the education of what's de self-described as the greatest nation on earth <laughs> um they've recently voted to remove cesar chavez the uh, hispanic civil rights leader from the social studies curriculum um, because they think he's an unfitting role model um <laughs> <What>? <laughs> never mind that the, the work that he did that led to improvements for like union laborers uh or yeah. Uh, that schools and libraries and streets across the United States are named after the bloke. Mm. Um, he's an unfitting role model because he was involved in union activism. I see. All oh, right. So that's, that makes you unfitting. But, but if you, for <laughs> example, uh, tell someone that the only way to gain uh, your pleasure is to kill the, the, the guy's child, uh, that's mm. a fitting role model. You know, if you go for the uh, the God of the Old Testament, yeah, yeah. The old he's a fitting role Abraham, model. Abraham's a cracking role model. Yeah. 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 Look at Moses, or, a man who force feeds but twelve thousand people gold. He yeah. melts down the gold mm. and makes them drink it. This are the, these obviously much better role models mm. uh, for, for people. The other uh, person that they're trying to remove from the curriculum is uh, uh, Thurgood Marshall, um, who was the first African American to serve on the Supreme Court. Mm. Uh, and his ruling in the Brown versus Board of Education case in 1954 resulted in the racial desegregation of American public schools. A huge, huge yeah. landmark case yeah sounds yeah. like a good guy um and that that ruling really paved the way for the civil rights movement it was it, it was an immense thing quite clearly um, history yeah is, <laughs> i think it's actual yeah. actual history he did as well. yeah make history he yeah. existed he happened you could have touched him yeah. if you were around at the time <laughs> and, and he, you had his permission obviously but <laughs> at the same time they're suggesting that people should be able to identify people such as uh, as rush limbaugh and the moral majority um it's uh, mm. you, it's it's clearly politically motivated yeah. mm. that you know liberal activists were going to take them out of the curriculum but notable republican figures were going to put those into the curriculum yeah. but it's obvious that this is politically motivated not educationally motivated i mean we're not mm. i'm not here suggesting that notable republican figures are any less worthy of receiving attention in history class yeah. than the liberal ones 
I'm saying the point is they're changing the stand, they're changing the science standards based on their political agenda, not what is best for the education of children. Yeah, yeah. Bloggers are commenting on this, saying, you know, is is the scathing coverage that they that that the Texas State Board of Education are receiving on this issue, is this going to change their mind? Is this going to to teach them any kind of humility? Um, and I, I can't put it better than um, Martin Wagner did on the um, Atheist Community of Austin blog. Mm. Um, he said, they will never be humbled because it is in the nature of fundamentalist ideologues to embrace the martyrdom of criticism. And the more abuse they take from the fallen secular world, the more proof it is to them that they're, that they're doing right by the Lord. Yeah, yeah. These people take Jesus's line, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first to heart and no mistake. Yeah, persecution complex. That's that's all it is. It's taken taken heart from being persecuted, and therefore going out and being a bit. It's it's like those um, is it Fred Phelps and the uh the God hates fags guys? They yeah. take such heart from being persecuted because yeah. they and every piece of persecution they get just makes them think they're more and more right. Yeah. And it, it happened with with Ted Haggard as well. When uh, 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 again for listeners who who aren't aware, Ted Haggard was the president of the National Association of Evangelicals, mm. uh, and was. Uh, outed by a, a, a male prostitute as gay, yeah. who, who saw Haggard on television and went, "I've been fucking him for the last five years." Yeah, yeah, and he but was. He, yeah. he told me his name was Art. But yeah, the uh, he the Ted Haggard. He was uh, as an evangelical preacher. He was very, very hardline on homosexuality. He was, he? Yeah. Um, and rather than the National Association of Evangelicals rejecting Haggard and going, "Oh, you, you evil fag, you get away from us," um, they interpreted what had happened as. Well, it's obvious that uh, Haggard was doing good work because the devil came after him the hardest. That's, <laughs> and, <laughs> that's the way they that's the way they spun the situation. Yeah, no, I mean, we need to support Brother Haggard and help yeah, him I mean, out here. The, the devil was actually the name of the prostitute. That's <laughs> the devil did come hardest. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after Haggard though, so you know he did his job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, my final story this week, or the final thing I saw this week, um, is psychic based. Um, you guys know I love a good psychic, or rather a bad psychic. Um, but as I pointed out, this week it isn't Screaming Joe Power. Uh, screaming so, Joe Power. <laughs> so Screaming Joe Power can relax. It's not him I'm going to talk about. Um, Joe's actually been pretty pretty quiet of late uh, since the whole Waterstones... Since nobody turned up to his book signing. Yeah, and since the whole Waterstones, all sceptics are paedophiles uh, rant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he is locked in your basement. Well, I, I wonder if he's had a change of heart or a change of career or anything. But I, I did actually notice, and this is slightly sad, his books are no longer st- stocked in Waterstones. <laughs> and at Waterstones where he had the book signing not four months ago, uh, yeah. his books are no longer stocked. Because I did check. Um, and for any of our listeners who ha- doesn't know the whole Joe Power versus the Merseyside Skeptic Society mob uh, story, um, you want to check it out on our website. Um, it was where I met Joe Power and challenged him for the $1 million, uh, $1 million challenge. Yeah. And he didn't like it. I'm not going to go into the story again because I've been dining out on it for the last four months. <laughs> I think you guys are getting pretty bored of it. So check it out. I mean, if you Google. Um, Actually, it was that, that, that story that wangled you your job on righteous indignation, wasn't it? It was. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really cool because if you Google, uh, Joe Power, um, we turn up pretty high up on the ranking for him. And yeah. if you t- type in Joe Power Skeptic, you get us first. And if you look at the, the Google hits for uh, our website, way, way, way more than half of the people who find our website find us via Joe Because I'm looking for Joe Power. <laughs> yeah. Which is horse. <laughs> You're his PR man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his anti-PR man, yeah. If anyone who doesn't know, Joe's the guy who did the uh, the seance with John Lennon, and uh, he did another seance with Princess Di. And he's not the only one who's been in contact with Princess Di or who has uh, psychic readings to do with uh, Princess Di. Um, because this week it came to my attention, uh, the headline, uh, I predicted Princess Di's death, says her psychic, uh, which is lovely. Um, this appeared in the South Yorkshire Star, um, 
God bless Google News Feeds, I say, because I wouldn't have picked this up otherwise. But it's a, it's a good story, and it's from the psychic uh, Sally Morgan, right? who you guys might have heard of. I know she's coming to Liverpool. Their name's familiar, October. yeah. And she's on a lot of TV shows. I saw her doing some sort of psychic thing with the cheeky girls. <laughs> it was, it was You will horrific. date a politician. And she did, she, I'm sure she did a psychic reading of Richard Bacon, and he ripped it to shreds on it completely. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, so Sally's claim is this. Um, she saw the death of Princess Diana a year before it happened. So far, so good. But apparently she misread it and thought it was the death of the actual queen, which is why she didn't go ahead and warn Diana. Um, apparently this is before Diana was called Queen of Hearts. Uh, All right, so she can psychically <laughs> pick up on a nickname. Yeah, she got the, the ah. nickname before she had the nickname. So um, <laughs> what's she psychically picking up from? She Is the card speaking to her? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, it was, I think she was contacting the spirits or the powers that be or, or something like that. No, no, but... I, I, I think I see where, what, 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 what she's done with this. Okay. She's, she's received a prediction from the whatever fucking magic thing she talks mm. to that has said the queen of hearts is going to die. Right. Yeah. She thought that meant the queen is going to die of a heart attack. Of a heart attack. Is that what she's <laughs> saying? No, I'm just, I'm just adding that in myself. She thought that meant that the queen is going to die. Mm. Diana died. Which earns her the nickname the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. And then it ah, made sense okay. that who should write, yeah, well, ah. There's actually a bit more to it than that even. Apparently, uh, Sally used to speak to, to Diana daily for four and a half years, but she revealed that the, the royal death premonition, she revealed that not to Diana herself, but in a reading for someone else who was apparently very close to Diana. Um, which strikes me as completely odd, um, for a few, a few reasons. I mean, one, if Sally's powers are genuine, you know, why would she ever confuse the Queen with Diana? The mm. Queen of Hearts, as you say, was a nickname, a nickname she didn't have at the time. So with the power that be only giving Sally the message via a w- one word, <laughs> yeah. or via three words, it seems a bit vague of the powers that be. Because beyond that one similarity, the fact that they both had Queen in the name that yeah. people referred to them as, they couldn't have been more different. <laughs> Princess Diana and the actual Queen were completely different in every degree. So it's really odd that the spirits wouldn't mention any, th- any other identifiable, and identifiable information Could other than the word Queen. Just as easily have been retrodicting Freddie Mercury's death. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. But why can't the spirits just be more specific? It's like, just, if, other than giving a prophecy that it's not going to be, make any sense till afterwards. Just well, exactly. Ridiculous. I love this idea so that when, when she's you die, gonna die, when you die, you can only speak in charades. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can only go, my name is in cheese, but not in queen. <laughs> well, the, the, another problem I have is the source she revealed this revelation to was close to Diana, uh, not close to the queen. So why would Sally go immediately to the queen's death? Yeah, this, is a, this is a friend of the princess. It yeah. seems a bit of a step that they go, oh, yeah, the queen, that must be the actual well, queen. Maybe the friend of the princess was the queen. That could be it. That could actually be it. The queen's sitting there thinking, am I still going to die? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure the queen was that close to Diana. I don't think they got on at this point. No, I'm pretty sure they weren't close <laughs> to Sally Morgan either. Oh, that would be absolutely yeah. everywhere on her website. Um, yeah, she also says that she spoke to Diana every single day for four and a half years, but it never crossed her mind to mention that she'd had premonition of the queen's death. I mean, the queen was Diana's mother-in-law, and at no point should she go, oh, by the way, it's probably nothing, but um, I was talking to this person the other day. I got a message through. The Queen's going to pop it. Uh-uh. At least tell Charles he'd be delighted. Tell the Queen, stay away from Paris. Well, it did, it did, she doesn't say that she predicted Diana would die in Paris. She didn't say anything about how the death was, just that the, the Queen would die. Nothing that could be verified in any way. Hang on a sec. Her prediction was the Queen will die. Yeah. I'll predict the Queen will die. <laughs> exactly. The Queen is going to die. Yeah. I think so. Charles is going to die. Uh... 
Sally Morgan's going to die. That's not a threat. That is not a threat. <laughs> Sally Morgan will die by my hand. <laughs> you can't say that. She's taken her time in coming forward on this one, hasn't she? She has, rather. I mean, when, when did Diana die? What was it? it? Must be what fifteen years ago now. Twelve. It was twelve. 12? Ninety-seven. Yeah. Um, and it's taken her twelve years to go. Oh shit! Yeah, I said that was going to happen. Yep. Well, apparently she didn't realise immediately that it was the Queen, uh, that it was Diana that she predicted. It was only the person who she did the reading for that phoned her up and goes, oh, you said the Queen. Maybe you meant the Queen of Hearts. But that was still at the funeral. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's strange how it's taken, you know, 12 years for that to come out. Um, By the way, Sally's got a book out uh, at the moment. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, and she's on tour um, as well. So she's going to be going to uh, a lot of venues. So... um, just thought I'd put that in there. Coincidence. A complete coincidence. Not Nothing to do with her coming out and saying that she predicted yeah. that. Not, not related at all. Exactly. Obviously. But what I will say is, you know, even if she has got psychic powers and did predict a death, mm. which she hasn't, you know, it's complete nonsense. Of course she hasn't. She's just making that up. But even if she had, it would still make her a really manipulative scumbag when you think about it. Because if you imagine, for example, the driver of the ambulance... In Paris, who yeah. took Diana's body away? If twelve years later he comes out and writes a book about what he saw, yeah, how would he go down? You'd think, oh god, that's profiteering. Oh, yeah. that's, that's quite sick, yeah. actually. That he's profiteering on something to do with the death of someone. But when a psychic does it, that's fine. There's yeah. absolutely no problem with that. So, psychics all the world over made a lot of money out of Princess Diana. And if they are not telling the truth, she must be a very busy lady running around from country to country communicating with dozens of psychics every day at the same time. That's true. I mean, we should probably check to see whether her PR lady also died. Yeah. Because <laughs> maybe she went, oh, God, yeah. this is terrible. I'm going to get some new yeah. PR. Is Sally Morgan supposed to have contacted um, the ghost of Diana? Well, apparently she hasn't. She says here that uh, Sally, um, it says in the article, rather, that Sally hasn't had any messages from Diana since yeah. her death. I'm not surprised. No. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a bit surprised. pissed off. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. She'll be alive I'm, now. In, in fact... I'd go further. Um, Sally Morgan hasn't had any messages from anyone since their death. No, nobody, ever. No. Um, Except just maybe a sort of video will. Yes, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe she did, yes. Maybe someone's <laughs> leaving. I'm going to die and leave a video will to Sally Morgan saying, bet you can't contact me. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, actually, and leave everything I own up to that point to Sally Morgan if she can get a certain word from me from beyond the give, grave, which I'll, I'll give to someone else and, you know, put it in a legal... Um, yeah. lock up so she can't get to it and she just has to tell them this one password and have everything we better give the, give a, like, a limit on the number of guesses or she'll just stand there and read a dictionary oh yeah she only needs one guess <laughs> she only gets one, just one guess. guess yeah of course okay. yeah. and I'm not going to use the word queen uh, or um, good sense of humour larger than life <laughs> I'm not going to use any of the things I've cropped up time and time again in cold reading yeah but she, she says of uh, she says of Diana of contact after that she says I don't see any of her relatives for readings so why would Diana contact me I'm not a relative of hers. Okay, she knew me, but I'm not sitting at home trying to contact famous dead people. Why should I be? And, well, you know, why an indeed? A, because you've got a book coming out. <laughs> well, I was saying, why an indeed? apology for not telling her she was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Could have cleaned you yeah. in there. Yeah, but. she's sulking. Diana was a bit of a sulk, yeah. But no, why indeed? Especially when there are so many families of non-dead, non-famous dead people who can be tricked into parting with their money. Why bother speaking to dead people? <laughs> Are you suggesting psychics are con artists? I'm completely suggesting that. Well, no, they're not all con artists. Some of them don't realise what they're doing is fake. Absolutely, yeah. Others yeah. genuinely do. 
Um, she said of her detractors, people like me who would say that she isn't psychic and isn't talking to the dead, uh, she said, there are people who call themselves cynics and skeptics. Mm, well, you call yourselves skeptics, but you don't call yourselves cynics. You call us cynics because you don't know what the word skeptic means. Um, there are people who call themselves cynics and skeptics when they're just obstructive. And there are many reasons for that. The biggest one is fear. I would say to them, I prove every day that there is an afterlife. You have to prove to me that there isn't. And that's a shifting the burden of proof mm. fallacy. It is. Yeah. And, uh, and as well, we're scared, apparently. I'm petrified of Sally Morgan. I never understand this argument. Right? Apparently, we're scared to believe that there isn't after, there's a life after death. Because presumably, <laughs> knowing that, the, that when it's over, that's forever, and there's no getting together with your loved ones, and there's no eternal ever after, obviously that's yeah. a lot less scary. I'd be chuffed if there was an afterlife, <laughs> and it'd be great. Yeah, but just because it's comforting doesn't mean it's true. That's the thing. I mean, it's fear that actually people like yeah. Sally live on. Um, people's fears about leaving things unfinished, about leaving arguments unended, fears about never being able to hear their loved ones again. That is where the fear is. That's yeah. scary, and that yeah. is not comforting, and yeah. that's where this comforting lie that people are talking to the dead come come into play really it's, they use exactly the same argument for belief in god sometimes you know or, yeah or you're just in denial if you don't believe in god as if it's they've already just worked out that that's true and you're the one in denial and again there's there's the shift in the burden of proof you know you don't prove they're the ones making the claim well well that's it, it. i mean you know Sally Morgan, she, she claims that she's proved the afterlife exists and it's up to us to prove wrong but that's completely not true no, she says the afterlife exists she says it, but she hasn't yeah. ever proved it. And yeah. she uses recognizable psychological tricks like cold reading and basic probability in her live shows to give the false impression of talking to the dead. We know that much, you know, and we, we can show that much and we'll happily do that again. We've proved she's not talking to the afterlife. Absolutely. Just yeah. from, you know, yeah. and if, if she wants us to prove it again, you know, get in contact. We'll set up a very simple proof. You know, we'll set up a very simple test yeah. and we'll prove once and for all again that, uh, that she isn't doing it. I mean, what does give me hope from all this is the, that the article in the South Yorkshire Star um, has something like 15 or 13 comments, and every one of them calls her on it. Every one of them says, oh, prove it. Every one of them says, you know, you're just using cold reading, that it's, it's all nonsense, that you've never once proved it. So it, it, is, it is great to see that there's a growing naturally sceptic audience out there that people are coming forward and, and starting to leave comments and stuff. It is. It's great to see that, yeah. Yeah, and, and just as a footnote, I know Sally's coming to the pool in October, and I know at least one of our numbers uh, will be there, armed with a basic knowledge of uh, of cold reading, and uh, I'm sure we'll get a report from that in the future. Good, good. I'd, I'd ask when that is, but I don't want to plug her. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be talking about it in our October podcasts. Yes, yeah, so, at some point in October we'll talk about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for a new feature. New feature. Ooh, new, new feature. New feature. New feature. That's um, not going to be the jingle for new features, is it? That is. I'm going to take that recording of you just then yeah. and use that every week. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, done. I'm happy with that. Can we not, actually, can we not just do it live? I think every time we should have just a, a live new feature, new feature, new feature. <laughs> la, 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 la. Well, except next week it's not going to be a new feature. It'll be the same feature as last same week. Feature, same feature, same feature. <laughs> So it's on our uh, our website that we we run a question of the week. We do. Um, so we we thought we'll throw that out to our listeners, see what our listeners think about it, and you know see if we can get some feedback from them. Um, now the podcast only runs every two weeks, um, ah. but it's still a we'll still call it a question of the week. Yeah, yeah. Why um, not? Why not? Because <laughs> because it's not like our listeners are, are going to pick us up on any small problems. We make. no no. It's, they're not like they're not a particularly critical. No, bunch they'll there. accept anything we give them. To <laughs> yeah. be honest, these gullible. Yeah. Gullible. I'd say, I'd go so far as say gullible bunch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the question of the week for this fortnight is: um, <laughs> we want to know what what's your price? 
what would it take for you to start promoting pseudoscience? Because mm. I presume that you have one. Everyone if, has a price. People say they don't have a price, but if you say to them, somebody okay, came up to a you, billion yeah. pounds. So here, here's 10 billion pounds. We want you to become the, the, the face of Boots brand Echinacea, mm. you know? You'd take 10 billion pounds, even if, you, you know, it, it completely devastated your public image to the skeptic community, but then you could sit there behind the scenes doling money out to very yeah, skeptical exactly. organizations and say, here you are, promote this research. And, you know, you, you take that hit for the team. But, but it's, your... not just the price, but also what you'd be doing for that price. So, you know, obviously to promote, um, tarot card reading, you might need only sort of 500,000 pounds or something like that, but to promote HIV denialism. Yeah. What would that cost? Anti-vaccine denialism. Mm-hmm. We want, we want to know, you know, really open this up, guys. Any, we want to know all your thoughts, really. Just anything you want to come back with. Uh, yeah. So if you really want, if here. you want to make a serious point, if you want to be witty, anything, you know, if we like it, we'll read it out. And how can, uh, our listeners tell us their thoughts? Uh, yeah, you can email your responses to podcast at merseysideskeptics.org.uk and skeptics is spelled with a K. It is. Um, or you can leave them on our website at, um, merseysideskeptics.org.uk or you can leave them on Facebook. Uh, yeah. look, look for skeptics with a K on, on Facebook and you can, uh, you, you can, uh, leave it up, uh, leave a message on there for us. Yeah, there'll be plenty of places. I mean, on our website, we'll post this question as well. So, uh, if you, if you put it there, you can, uh, have a see what our, our website readers have, uh, have answered and, uh, maybe get some ideas or maybe have a little bit of a back and forth there. Cool. The other thing I wanted to, to, to ask the, the, the listeners to do, last month we, we asked people to leave reviews on iTunes and like not many people did as, as, as mm. we said, but, um, <clears throat> we want to steal an idea from Skeptoid. We do. Um, they had, uh, it's an idea we don't fully understand. Yeah, well, Brian Dunning, he has this thing. He says, oh, all we ask is two and two. And I can remember the first two. He says, tell two friends. I can remember that one. That's yeah, easy. And it, uh, the second one's the like... The second two, I can never take, remember what the second two take is. Take two minutes to write two reviews twice a day yeah. before, before meals. Take two bottles into the shower. <laughs> uh, not me. I just yeah. wash and go. Not not exceeding four reviews in a 24-hour period. It, it's something like that. Something on Always read lines. the label. Yeah, so we want our listeners to sort of do two, do, 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 do two and two, right? Yeah, do write, the twos, people. Write two reviews on iTunes twice uh, on a, on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we just have time for a, a bit of listener homework. Oh, homework! I forgot about the homework. Okay, well, I think the homework for listeners this week uh, will be, uh, I urge you all to go out and join the Stop the Anti-Vaccination Network group on Facebook and try and get involved in, in what those guys and the Australian skeptics are doing. Um, because they're doing such great work and it's such an important thing that uh, I think we need to draw as much attention as possible to this. Um, so go out and do it yourself. Get anyone you know who'd be interested to join and let's try and help our Australian uh, our Australian cousins to uh, to fight this. Right, I think that's just about all we've got time for. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear our listener? <laughs> that was a listener in the background. No, the listener was kind of like, yay! <laughs> Ray! Yeah. So all you uh, all you Canadian listeners can uh, can drive safely from from here on in. Yeah. Start your engines now. <laughs> um, so yes, all that remains is uh, for me to remind you all that uh, you can also hear Marsh on the Righteous Indignation podcast. Oh, very kind of you. Um, you can find that on iTunes or at uh, ripodcast.com. Yep. 
And don't forget that we've got uh, Chris French at Liverpool Skeptics in the Pub um, next week, isn't it? Yeah, 17th yeah. of September. It's going to be very, September very 17th, cool. We're all very excited. Uh, from 8pm at the Crown Hotel in Liverpool, That's which what? is right next to Lime Street. Uh, you can find it on Google Maps. It's dead easy to get to. Don't yeah. worry about Details it. Details on our website. Um, technically free, although we'll ask you to chip in a couple of quid to sort of like, you know, cover the... the uh, expenses of the event but yeah just uh, uh, chris's train for things like that so thanks for joining me again today marsh yeah no pleasure and you colin yeah it's been great uh and we'll see you in a couple of weeks bye now right. cheers skeptics with a k is a production of the merseyside skeptics society visit our website at www.merseysideskeptics.org.uk or email podcast at merseysideskeptics.org.uk Thank you.